Hello, and welcome to the Bigger Than Us podcast. I'm your host, Raj Daniels, and today I'd like to welcome Mike Beitler to the show. Mike has 10 years at IBM in New York, followed by 20 years experience at Texas Instruments in semiconductor and chip building. He recently launched Illum Applied Technologies DLT, which is creating transactive energy exchanges in local energy markets for aggregated demand response with behind-the-meter energy storage. Mike, how are you doing today? Doing awesome, Raj. Thanks. Mike, thank you for being on. Mike, I'd like to start things off with something interesting about you that people might not know. Uh, a couple years ago, I got uh, started cooking, doing a lot of home cooking, and uh, really used that as a way to uh, kind of deleverage stress and stuff. So um, it's, it's a good outlet and stuff as far as uh, eating healthy. And then also gives you the benefit of, you know, when you serve other people, uh, having them enjoy a meal along with you. That's really interesting. I'm a big fan of cooking myself. I think it's a, um, almost like a, a vehicle to convey love. Yep. It's a, good, it's a good communicator. You know, that's one thing everyone has in common. I think, you know, we all have to eat food. So, um, you, know, and it, you know, if you get to travel the world or other countries, uh, just seeing how they eat and, you know, how they, they use that as almost like a communication or fellowship mechanism um, is very interesting. So are there any particular cuisines that you like? You know, oddly enough, like this time of year, uh, a little bit colder outside, uh, Texas chilies and stuff, you know, coming from the Northeast, uh, you know, typically in the Northeast, we use beans in our chili where Texas does not. Uh, and then soups and stuff. I love making homemade soups. Um, and it's something that a lot of people generally don't think. I think about making homemade soups and uh, I think one of the favorite soups I make is uh, a cream-based uh, seafood chowder. Uh, lots of good stuff in there. You know, shrimp, clams, scallops, you know, a lot, lot of good seafood. Sounds perfect for this time of year. Yeah, it, it is. So, Mike, switching gears a little bit, can you share with the audience a little bit about your current endeavor? Yeah, so um, a couple of years ago, I started to see um, uh, a direction where the energy markets were going. Uh, and also where, uh, with all the renewable energy resources uh, we were adding to the, the grid uh, worldwide and in the United States, uh, that we needed a way to be able to store that power. And um, in Texas right now, there, there are about 18,000 uh, wind turbines. So Texas has the, the largest uh, installed base of wind t- turbines in the United States. Um, and what I saw in the markets was, a lot of times with these renewable energy resources at night years ago in Texas, they actually would have to stop the uh, windmills because uh, there was not enough power being consumed on the grid. So you can't put more power into the grid than what you use. Uh, so pricing in those events uh, would oftentimes go close to zero. And uh, then during the day, you know, they'd go higher, but uh, I saw an opportunity to, to put batteries in houses or commercial facilities and charge the batteries off peak when prices are cheap and then uh, take, take those houses or uh, commercial buildings off the grid and use run on stored power during the high, the high pricing events. And where, where I saw blockchain going or distributed ledger technology going years ago is it gives a very good uh, mechanism to price, price, price an asset and put it on a blockchain and stuff in a ledger and then use offsite databases to tell the battery when to charge and discharge. So, what actually happens then is any, any, at any existing moment, the people that have these battery storage systems, we can know exactly 
uh, what what price that asset is in that battery and stuff, and look at the market, and then use that as an arbitrage mechanism or a demand response mechanism to uh, make that person money. So that's really interesting, and you and I could probably nerd out on blockchain, but we'll save the audience <laughs> from doing so. Recently, okay. read about some smart energy contracts doing something. Sounds like something similar in Europe. Are you familiar with that? Yeah, there there's there's some uh, power ledgers in Australia. Uh, Energy Web Foundation is doing some stuff in Europe. Um, there's a couple in the United States uh, that are doing some stuff. Uh, LO3 Energy is doing stuff with solar. They're, they're out of Brooklyn, New York. So there 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 are players looking at the space. Um, and I think right now the, the biggest thing is uh, getting people to understand the technology better. The blockchain piece for distributed ledger, distributed ledger technology, uh, in my view, are enabling technologies uh, where they just allow us to do something greater. And uh, in, the, in my case, with uh, the energy storage and the batteries, um, it will help push battery sales and push these products to the, the grid edge So uh, in people's homes. And kind of like Bill Gates said back in, I think, you know, the early 80s where uh, every every home will have a PC or every home will have a PC on every desk. You know, I, I really look to the future. I think there will be some form of energy storage in every home, you know, a couple of years down the road. So I totally agree with you regarding some form of energy storage going down the road. Turning back to blockchain for a minute, I know that there's probably a handful of people that really understand blockchain. And in the last, let's call it year or two, there's been a lull perhaps in the blockchain where people not seeing blockchain products perhaps performing or, you know, some of the promises that were behind blockchain. What's your experience right now with that whole blockchain space? You know, I think, I think about a year and a half ago when, uh, you know, when Ethereum started, uh, well, Ethereum came out and then once Ethereum is out, people started building dApps on Ethereum. And then the whole thing as far as ICOs or initial coin offerings, you know, a lot of people, it's kind of like the dot-com bust back in the around 2000 where everybody wanted an online presence, but as far as how you monetize uh, assets on blockchain and how you actually make it where it's profitable, again, going back to, I, I, I'm a firm believer in blockchain or distributed ledger technologies are enabling technologies. So they are part of the technology stack. It's not magic pixie dust that you can sprinkle on something and all of a sudden you have a business. There has to be a way to monetize a business beyond blockchain. And, you know, I think there are a lot of people out there that, even right now, they're having a hard time monetizing how, how the transactions make money and stuff. And really what it should do is it should simplify the back-end payment process um, in a lot of things where everything's automated. And, and that's where we're, where Loom Apply Technologies is trying to take it in the energy sector, where we have databases as far as what's the best way to arbitrage a market or, or make money off the demand response market, and then really use those technologies to make money for the, the end user or the person. So if we look like a Facebook model where Facebook monetizes all our user, user data or even like LinkedIn monetizes user data, you know, Illumify technology is really wanting to, to give that money back to the people that have the battery storage system. And these will be early adopters that sit there and they see things like climate change or uh, ways where the energy, renewable energy sector need to become more efficient. And really, if, if these people are, you know, taking risks to put battery storage in their homes, I think they need to benefit from the, 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 the financial gain that they're helping the system benefit, you know? So I hope that answered your question. It, it, it does, and, and I agree with you. I like the term as an enabler because I think that when you present it that way, people aren't as focused on it. You know, there are many technologies that we use today and there are many enabling technologies in the background where people, for example, IoT, 
most people don't even know how Wi-Fi works or some kind of mesh network, but they, you know, they use the technology, they use perhaps the, the products, the hardware at the end of it without even knowing what the back end consists of. Exactly. So the, the UI user interface or UX user experience, uh, it really should be based on exactly what you said, Raj, where, you know, the, the people that use this technology should actually not even know it's working in the background. All they should, all they should know is, hey, here's a benefit I receive. And, uh, and, and actually the experience, I mean, that, that, that's where technology uh, becomes very useful. Once the experience becomes uh, seamless, where it's almost like you said, operating in the background where you don't even know that blockchain is being used or distributed letter technology is being used. That, that's where people will start to adapt it and adapt it at high levels where it's, it's not something like years ago when you have dial-up modems, you know, years ago and it was a problem connecting to the internet. You know, once we saw technologies come over in advance where connectivity became much easier, people don't even think about that stuff today, but that's where the technology has to get where, again, it's enabling or the people don't even know that it's operating in the background. Right. So what inspired you? Where did you get the idea from? Uh, so working at Texas Instruments, um, and Semiconductor uses a lot of electricity, I started to look at the, the wholesale energy markets and, and saw the volatility in the markets. So typically in Texas this past year, uh, wholesale rates have been at $37 a megawatt hour. And during August in Texas, it's very typically hot. And we saw had a couple peaks in August where the average went from, again, a year average of $37 a megawatt hour up to $9,000 a megawatt hour. And this was not um, a short spike. Some of these spikes, you know, stayed up there for a couple hours. And this is where the gas peaker plants come online. Uh, so they only get paid when they run. So Texas does not have a capacity market, meaning the gas peaker plants only get paid when they, when they actually produce. So Really, if we if we want to start cleaning up the electric grid, it's already happening with coal plants being retired early. Uh, but the next would be the gas peaker plants. If we want to see those start to disappear and and be removed from the energy mix, uh, really what we need is is storage technology. And then the other thing with storage technology is if we go to grid edge, there's a lot of things with congestion fees. So we can look at the energy or the electric grid similar to like toll roads. So uh, when, when prices go high, a lot of times there are congestion issues on the electric grid, just like when you drive a car on toll roads and there's an accident or something, you, you pay a, higher, you pay a high, higher toll fee on a lot of these roads because the toll access will give you uh, a faster route. So, you know, really I saw there's a lot of inefficiencies in the electric grid today, and that's, that's where, you know, my background in engineering and equipment engineering at two of the biggest semiconductor companies in the world you know, really looking at a problem and figuring out uh, different ways how to solve that. And, you know, while, while I appreciate the engineering mindset and the, you know, the want to solve the inefficiencies, I like to dig a little bit deeper as to why, you know, there's, there's an opportunity cost to doing, to doing what you're doing with this entrepreneurial endeavor. You could be doing something else in semiconductors. Using the Simon Sinek example of the why, what, what's driving you in this particular space? Uh, you know, I think we see inequalities today, you know, in, in, in people's incomes and people's uh, ability to, to save over a lifetime. And I, th I think those inequalities have to start disappearing, the disparities in, from top 1% earners to the bottom people that, you know, struggle to get by. And, and really at the end of the day, uh, just like your podcast, Bigger Than Us, you know, I, th I think it does have to become bigger than us where we actually look to the future and, and, more people 
uh, share the benefit of prosperity. And, and that prosperity gets uh, distributed more e- evenly across the playing field. Um, and that's one of the things my wife and I, my wife's background is theology, you know, really looking at things, again, bigger than us, and, and, and then using the engineering background that I have to try help propel certain technologies to help people. Um, I think the energy sector is a spectacular sector to do that uh, because if we look at third world countries that will start to come online as far as with better uh, access to electricity, the first world countries can actually sit there and show other countries how this is done. And there's things in Texas, I think, where Texas is not bound by uh, FERC rules, Federal Energy Regulatory Commission rules. So because uh, Texas electric grid the ERCOT grid uh, is all in Texas. We do not have to be bound by those rules. And that gives us a, a great a deal of latitude as far as how we can uh, start pushing these technologies to market. So, But b- bigger than us is really you know, where we get back to the community and, and we actually show people how this is going to be built and help people. Well, you know, my mind's going in a couple of different directions right now. And so I've been speaking to individuals over the past few years. One of my biggest concerns around technology is the disparity around the way people use technology. And what I mean by that is I don't think the majority of individuals, let me rephrase that. I, my experiences from interviewing and speaking with individuals, most don't realize how their data is being utilized in technology. They just, they've become consumers of devices. And with those devices, they've been given away, you know, personal information, personal data, which has then been monetized by the larger companies. So that's one direction. The part I, really liked the part you mentioned about, you know, being able to monetize for the people that perhaps are at the lower end of the economic ladder. You know, everyone uses a utility and power, electricity. And if they could find a way to utilize the utilities they use, I think it would be very, very helpful. There's, again, a lot of conversations around disparity right now, but I think the voices about how to prevent some of that disparity aren't loud enough. And I think this technology could really help at least not make up for the entire gap by any means, but at least help, you know, lessen the gap. You know, I, I think if we look back at history, uh, Tim, Spur, Tim Spurs-Lee, uh, one of the founders of the internet, he really uh, looked back, well, a couple of years ago, he published a couple of papers or was on interviews and he was kind of uh, frustrated at where the inter- internet ended up. And, it, and he, he also, I think, envisioned it being more decentralized. And one of the things with blockchain technology or uh, distributed ledger technology is uh, we can actually give some of those rights back to the people and stuff that, that hold, hold some of this technology. So instead of uh, the, the, you know, the Facebooks of the world or Apples of the world or Googles of the world, where those powers become very centralized, this this gives a case. This gives a, a prime use case of where once once a loom applied technologies platform is is starting to be deployed, uh, we really start to distribute again that income to the the end user, and and also you know use their data where they benefit from it and not the central corporation. And that's that's really one of the most powerful things about blockchain or distributed ledger technology, is really sharing that wealth and and not having that centralized figure in the whole thing. Yes, I, I heard the uh, Tim's Berners-Lee presentation, I believe, and also a gentleman by the name of Jared Lanier speaks about the same issues around data and yes. the opportunity to monetize data going forward, individuals' data going forward. That, that's yes. Very, very interesting. And also appreciate the yep. fact that you know the theology background 
plays into it. I, I think I think we're at a real pivotal point here, perhaps, you know, the end of last decade, the new decade. But I really think I really see that going forward, this decade is going to be a critical decade in our overall evolution, maybe around technology or just us perhaps realizing some of the some of the changes that perhaps need to be made to level the playing field. Yes. The, the, the social changes, you know, the social and social economic changes that need to happen, again, with the disparity top to bottom um, and redistributing that wealth, I think will become more apparent uh, this decade. And, you know, taking small steps to move in that right direction, I think, are, are good. Um, and I actually, I actually think it will create a movement where people are more aware of, you know, the data that's being consumed and how it's being used and, you know, really pull, pull that, that information back in where, you know, like in a blockchain space where they, they would own the private keys of their, their data. And then there, there's a bunch of different ways to monetize that and stuff where, but in the energy sector where I'm going again, it, it, it's where people, people use energy every day and people are looking for solutions. And I, I don't think there are many, um, very good solutions right now where the end user can actually benefit from uh, the right technologies. And that's, that's really where Loom wants to take it. And if I'm understanding your technology correctly, it's, um, you don't have to be an active participant, meaning you don't have to actually think about doing it. It just happens for you in the back end. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. We, we are looking to automate the whole process where you won't even know it's happening. So there's a, there's a, there, there's a line item on uh, people's electric bills today called uh, ancillary charges. And, and one of those things is, you know, if we can actually start to provide some ancillary charges where, you know, the demand response when people take their house off the grid, they, they can, people can, again, benefit very, very highly uh, from doing that, you know, and, and, and again, what that allows us to do is push more renewables into the energy mix. So uh, Texas, the next couple of years, has a bunch of solar coming online. That has previously not been to the levels that it, it will be the next couple of years. And then even with wind turbines, years ago, uh, they used to do what they call curtailment of uh, wind turbines and stop them. And, you know, as we add more of these energy storage, you know, pieces into the grid, uh, those windmills can keep turning at night. And the one thing with the Texas you know, winds, windscape or landscape, I guess, is typically at night, you know, there's, there's high wind power. So, because the breeze is, the breeze is a lot faster. So, um, you know, really, really getting these technologies out there and it's going to take a lot of people to do this. This isn't, you know, one person or two people doing it. It's to employ a lot of people, create a lot of jobs and actually, you know, really, really change the planet and as far as how we consume energy. Well, I love the idea of the thought of the automatic savings account in the back end too, where (laughs) money's being collected or deposited and you don't have to think about it. Yes. Well, switching gears a little bit, it's apparent that you've done a lot of research in this area. You know, you mentioned wind and solar. What else do you see coming up in the landscape in the next five to 10 years? That's interesting you. Yeah, the, the biggest thing I, I think, so, you know, if we look back to technology in like phones or computers, uh, how memory prices have dropped, you know, years ago, you you get four mega memory and it was super expensive. Well, now we have phones that have you know, I, there was a phone I saw the other day had a terabyte of uh, memory on the phone. Wow. You know, and, and so so really where I see energy storage going is, you know, as it will not follow Moore's law, energy storage will not follow uh, Moore's law as far as doubling the computer power and half the price every two years, you know. R- really, it's going to be a little bit less of a progressive uh, decline, but 
it, just in the last decade, decade as far as what we saw in the price of lithium-ion batteries uh, drop, you know, it's given companies like Tesla the ability right now to to market a car that when the Model uh, S came out, it was 120 grand or right around there, and now we have Model Threes at you know 35 or I'm sorry, 35,000 or 40,000 um, dollars, and really in the in the the the, the residential uh, energy storage space. You know, we will see similar um, price drops in and what it costs to uh, adopt this technology. So today, where like a Tesla Powerwall, for example, installed is you know going to run you somewhere around eleven thousand dollars for one unit. Those prices will continue to fall over the next decade, and that's where we'll start to see mass adoption increase high, uh, increase much higher. So just as when you buy a new house today and stuff, you have a stove you know, microwave, dishwasher, you know, in the, in the future, I, I see every new home you get, get, get built will have some sort of energy. Number one, in it, a battery management system and then also energy storage. And you so saw, I'm really excited to see the prices drop and then, you know, more people adopt this technology. So my investor hat says, start investing in battery technology and, yep. uh, from a labor perspective, you know, I, I guess this is what we're hearing about with the green jobs, the additional opportunity for new jobs in the sector are for things like battery installation or almost retrofitting homes. Yes. Interesting. There, there'll, there'll be spectacular opportunities to retrofit homes also. Very interesting. So, Mike, one of the questions I like to ask my guests is, if you could give some advice to the audience, what would it be? Um. I think I think one thing is don't be afraid to look at new opportunities outside your existing you know career path. You know my background thirty thirty years in semiconductor and really to keep learning you know read books and keep learning new things. You know I think I think it brings a lot of joy to myself. You know learning new things and and it it gets exciting. You know thirty years in one one field. You know it brings some excitement into life. You know and it gives you something different to do. And although I, I do feel semiconductors will be around for, you know, for what I can see the foreseeable future, you know, I, I think this is a big opportunity to, to go on something different. Uh, so, so I guess my advice would be keep learning and, you know, stay excited, you know, uh, and look at different opportunities where, and people of diverse backgrounds, the one thing with diversity is everyone brings something different to the table. A different, they, they view stuff through a different lens and, and getting a diverse group of people in a room where you know maybe someone's not in the energy industry, but they may have uh, see a, a different solution or problem that you know other people cannot see, and 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 have the ability to respect people and and view that diversity as part of the solution uh, becomes very very powerful. Mike, I love the idea of learning and diversity. And since you mentioned books, books are very near and dear to my heart. In fact, I tell people that. Uh, I think my Amazon book bill is probably my most expensive bill every month. Um, <laughs> any good books you recommend that you read recently on topic or off topic? doesn't matter. Yeah, there, there was a, a book I read um, a couple, couple months ago. Um, it was on uh, weight bloomers and it's, and it's written by Richard. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to pronounce his last name right. Carl's guard. And uh, um, I have two kids and my son, He's he's probably going to end up being a little bit of a late bloomer. That, but that that was actually looking at people that uh, today how we press children to be uh, ex exceptional very early and stuff. And and there are people in life where, especially for men, where their brain function does not 
really start to to hit the hit the hit hit the the high points until you know sometimes mid to, to mid twenties to, to late twenties and stuff. So that so that that was one of the good books I read. And then there was another book called The Starfish and the Spider, and uh, that talks about uh, leaderless leaderless uh, organiza- uh, organizations. Uh, so one of the things with the digital ledger technology that Illumipi Technologies is using is uh, Hedera Hashgraph. And uh, Hedera Hashgraph was actually, they're, they're governing, the way they govern their, their, their blockchain or distributed ledger technology was based off a leaderless organization. So uh, Mance Harmon, the CEO of Hedera, actually got that from some of those concepts from uh, DHOC. So DHOC was uh, the founder of Visa years ago. And uh, so there's some interesting books out there also on him, but uh, a lot of good stuff on leaderless organizations. And again, it goes back to the, a little bit earlier in the podcast where I kind of mentioned, you know, how decentralization, taking all that top, that top wealth from the, the, the C office and corporations and giving it to more, uh, more uniformly across an organization. Well, I'd be remiss to add that Hedera is a local Dallas company. So just want to add that in there. Yep. Yep. Great company. Well, Mike, I really appreciate your time today in the conversation and I look forward to seeing where Illum goes. Any last words? Okay. No, I, th- I think, you know, I'll, you know, let's catch up in a couple months and, you know, I'd like to share some updates with you. And uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, I'm looking forward to the future. Appreciate that, Mike. Thank you so much. Okay. Thanks, Raj. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Yeah,